It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Uh, hello again, and welcome to Restoring America. It's uh, August the thirtieth, twenty fifteen, and uh, today I've uh, I've got a, another special guest. I had Johnny Cerucci on uh, this morning, and I have another uh, very special guest, a dear friend of mine, uh, Lori Burkebile, whom I've uh, I've been on her show. I was on her show. Uh, uh, once a week for quite a while there, and uh, she has uh, discontinued her show a while back, and I really do miss her show very much because she had so much incredible good information on her show, and uh, I've uh, tried to keep in touch with Lori, and she uh, lives up in Alaska, and uh, she's just a wealth of information, a wealth of uh, good good information about what's going on, and uh, just as a, a dear friend, she had a, a just one of the best shows on. I listened to her show all the time when it was on Lori's Talk News Radio, and you can still you can still access her the archives on Lori's Talk News Radio from Blog Talk Radio. If you go on there and uh, hook up with Blog Talk Radio and look for Lori's Talk News Radio. And you've got, uh, I don't know, how many shows did you do, Lori? Probably a thousand. I don't know how many you did. You had a lot of them on there. Uh, yeah, I want to say at least, because it was, it was about two and a half, maybe three years. Uh, and you did it every so, night, didn't you? Yeah, I was doing it seven nights a week for quite some time, yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing, too, not to do a shameless plug here, not only can I go to uh, BTR and look up Lori's Talk News Radio, uh, BTR doesn't have the best um, way to look up the archives, I don't think. But they can also go to Lori's Talk News Radio.com. That's L O R R I E S Talk News Radio.com. And I have some archives there, and then there's a way you can access everything from Lori's Talk News Radio.com, including, by the way, I did start a talk show after I quit doing the the uh the BTR I did yeah. want it's kind of funny I was never planning to do talk show but I I wanted it to be associated with the Lori's Talk News Radio on BTR so it's actually LTNR on BTR which is Lori's Talk News Radio on BTR uh they're on talk show and I've got some there that I kind of continued some of them but you can access all of those on on that main landing page there and there's even a little player down, oh, about two-thirds of the way down that'll take you right to my talk show one as well. Good. That's really good. I, and so Lori's Talk News Radio.com is uh, her website, and you can find uh, all of her information there. And uh, a lot, Lori built a, a really good uh, program for, for two or three years at least, and had just an incredible fellowship going on among her people. She did, uh, 
she did something unusual. I don't know of any other call that does it. At least I'm not aware of it. Maybe there are some out there that do what uh, Lori attempted to do was to establish a kind of an online church, an online fellowship, and it was really going. Uh, it was really going good for a, for a while. I thought. You had some really good fellowship going on among the people that called in that were regulars and uh, some real good interaction among the people. And one of the great things Lori did was what I tried to do in churches where I worked with was to kind of get just get out of the way and let other people participate. And she would do this on a regular basis. She would... Uh, uh, have people that call in and just encourage them, provide a a platform for them to participate and to even do calls. And when I I got to know Lori, I I had no intention or no uh, idea that she would just do that for me. She just uh, very almost very quickly after we got to know each other, offered me a weekly platform to just uh, teach and and say what was on my heart and she did this with with a whole host of people which was just that's how the church ought to function and that's one of the uh great things that, that just drew me to lori that she had this very same concept of, of building a fellowship among people and uh sad sad to say she had almost a uh, a parallel experience on the internet to what I've experienced in local churches that I worked with. One of the churches I worked with, we had just the best, probably in a church setting, the best fellowship situation I have ever experienced in my life, where we would we just spent tons and tons of time together. And we uh, shared and talked and Everybody, almost everybody participated in it and were receiving and giving encouragement. And then over a space of about six months or a year, it just got totally blown out of the water. And that that experience just absolutely gutted me emotionally. And uh, when I got hooked up with Lori and just got to, to know Lori and what she was doing, I just kind of sat on the on the uh, background, sat in the back chair kind of and watched it, and she invited me to participate in it uh, and call and do my uh, teaching some. And over, over a space of time, uh, I mean, there was a space of time where it was really good for a period and then it also just got blown out of the water and uh i what i what i in my gut believe is that uh i think the thing on satan's radar the most the at the top is when a good fellowship develops among god's people that sets off alarm bells in Satan's uh, room and he does everything he can to blow it out of the water and it just 
I've kind of talked to Lori some over the and tried to walk with her through this, and it just absolutely guts you emotionally to to have something like that happen to you. And I I don't mean to open up all of that can of worms, Lori, but I just want people to know uh, and feel a little bit of the pain and the the isolation that she has felt over the last year or so, and. Uh, I know all of your the people that uh, that were per- participated in that. Uh, I know they do. They care about you, and they certainly would care about uh, how you are doing. And uh, any of that you would care to share uh, with us right now before we get into other things, uh, uh, I would be glad for you to share on my call. Well, that's. I I didn't know you were going to go that direction, but that's actually great. And I think in a way it'll tie into what we were going to cover. First of all, you were actually on the show. I went back when I burned those uh, CDs to to send to you, and then then that set to Maria that thank you, by the way, for sending to her. I think you were on from the first time you came on before you were regular. I think I had you on like twice before I got you on regular. It was about a year and a half. So you were on for, for quite a while. <clears throat> and uh as far as as far as it goes you know i i'm i'm sure you're familiar with the term visible and invisible church yeah. now we, we can get into different connotations cuz there's actually a couple of them uh, generally uh the first one that i actually learned was meant was it visible or invisible from the government that that is to say do you have that, what I call that overlay of Caesar over the church as we do today with 501c3s? But that's not where I'm going to go. Where I'm going to go is, is since you brought this up with these, the people, the fellowship, and all this, one of the things is, is societally, and I'll, I'll get into some of the wherefores with, with uh, Francis Schaefer, Dr. Francis Schaefer here in a bit as, as to why, and it amazes me he was talking about this stuff back in the, in the, in the 60s and, and 70s. Uh, we we societally seem to have gotten into this uh, non-participatory mode or mindset uh, in, in just about everything. Uh, the radio shows, I don't care if it's BTR, talk show, or any of the rest of them, people, there are some people who will call in, but most don't. They sit and they listen for an hour, two, three, whatever it is, and most of them never call in. They, they do not participate. They do the same thing in the church. They go there, and as Pastor Meyer used to say, they sit there like a wart on a pickle, uh, and, and don't participate. And you're right. Yeah, that's right. To... Let me let me jump yeah. in there. Yeah. That's exactly that's exactly right. And you have to really, from a <clears throat> pastor's standpoint, you have to you have to make that a, a one of your primary goals is to get people involved. And yep. almost rope them and pull them in, you know. Yep. And then you have to develop an atmosphere after you pull them in that loves them or that that accepts them and encourages them, you know. Which there's yep. there's multiple dynamics there of what you're talking about, and you did it really well on your call o- online, I think. I. Uh, that's one thing I love and admire about what you did so much is that you did that. Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly it. And 
I, I don't know how people feel about poll names, but you know, we, we all have names. We can hide behind pseudonyms if we, if we like, and nom de plumes, and so on and so forth. But I'll just I'll just call it. Uh, one of them went out on air was Rosie. You you may remember she had made the comment. I w- I would call on because I did. I was trying to encourage people to talk and share and and all this. And and I remember she made a comment that she was used to being uh, invisible or ignored. And I think invisible was actually the word she used. And I called on her and I says, Well, do you feel invisible now? And you're right. <laughs> I I think that's what what you need to do is pull pull people in because. That's what has become. It's, it's a spectator sport. The government's a spectator sport. The church is a spectator church. Marriage is anymore. It, it, and these are not spectator, spectator activities because if they are, they, they require input. They require work in order to work. And if, if, you, if you don't input, then it, it, they, they will wither and die on the vine. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and people, you've said it many times, and you've quoted that verse about the priest, you know, the we we would like to hire the priest and we love to have it so, you know. <laughs> oh, and that's not yeah. that's how people like it. People like to be able to go to church yeah. incognito, you know, like yeah. and that's why people love texting so much or all of this online uh relationship stuff that's not even re- it's not even real hardly, you know. Until you actually start talking to people on the phone. Well, that's that's interesting you'd say that because again, getting into Francis Schaefer here in a little bit, uh, he he talks about uh, non-realism. Again, back in the sixties and stuff, and he gives movies uh, that I didn't, I would not have dreamed back in the sixties and seventies were were even out. Uh, and 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 the ones that he's doing, this man must have uh, he must have read and watched every social, political, poetical movie and book. Oh, you dropped off. You dropped off. Let me connect you again. Let me see. Uh, I don't know what happened. Hey, Marshall. I, I mean, not Marshall, <laughs> Michael. Let me see. She's back here. Yep. Let me see if I can tie. Uh, yeah. Maybe she'll call back in in a minute. Thanks, thanks, uh, Michael, for what you said in there. I knew, I knew you did, and I wish everyone else would let Lori know that too. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I, I'm not sure what happened. I was talking, and all of a sudden, it just went. I was off. So, what, where, where? <laughs> I, I was. You were talking about. about uh, you were talking about the movies, uh, yeah. Francis Schaeffer, and how broad of a uh, cultural. A grasp he had. Yeah, yeah, and 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 these movies that he mentions, and unfortunately, I don't have the names of them because I was studying this a few weeks ago. Uh, but if you listen to his uh, sermon, he's got a Labrie is, is the name of the. You can find them on YouTube, but there's actually quite an archive of what's uh, Labrie, uh, L hyphen B R I, I think it is. 
Uh, but anyway, uh, some of the movies that, that he was speaking of, they get into this where there's, there's r- realism, but then there's this fantasy. And some of the movies that he specifically points out is, is it gets to the point where you really don't even know which is what. And he says that in some of his, his, his teachings that you, you can't tell where reality and fantasy uh, uh, are at in these movies. And it, it just really shocked me to know that that type of thing was going on back then. Yeah. And, and, and another thing that he talked about was how even back then that you had to define words. I, it, 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 because, see, I, I was a child in, in, in the 60s because uh, I'm a 60 baby. But I don't remember that in the 60s and 70s. When people had conversations, I mean, somebody may use a word you never heard before. But it's not like we had to define what the word is, is. Uh, but apparently uh, there was some of that going on. I think, and, that, I think that, that legalese is what I call it, that legal, that legal deception of, of the deceptive use of words. No. Is that what no, you're talking about? No, 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 no. I, I'm not even speaking of, of, of the legalese. I'll give you an example here. I'm not going to get into this immediately, but it is the word, and and these are kind of his definitions of them, is the word rationalism versus rationality, okay? Uh, You know, when when, when people use certain words, they they have, and and he he says it, that they're they're concept words. For example, one of the things he keeps saying is, is that a lot of churches, again, back then even, they use these God words. There's no substance behind it, but they say God and Jesus and all this, but there's no substance behind it. They're just God words. Yeah. And, and, and I, I guess I could, since we're on this, he defines this this way, and I actually stopped it and re-listened to, 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 to put him down, because he was saying back then that people would say rationalism. Well, if you throw out the word rationalism, you'd think it means somebody's being rational. But that's not what this, this is in, in, in these cases, these new agey terms. It's more new agey, I guess, uh, as it's called, than the legalese. It says the concept of man beginning with himself, even though he's finite and trying to gather enough particulars, I'll define that word in a minute, to make his own universals, and that word as well, and rejecting all knowledge outside himself as uh, autonomous, man and specifically rejecting any knowledge from god okay this is kind of like humanism uh, um paris reedhead used to talk about humanism this is very very close to his definition of, of humanism where we start with man being the center of everything as opposed to god being the center of everything now, i don't know if you want to comment on anything on that or not that's yeah that's that goes to me, that is exactly the concept I have of the two trees in the garden, of the, the tree of life and the tree of the, what it is, is the tree of humanism, the tree of human knowledge, divorced from God, that, that theoretically, that uh, in a fantasy world can produce anything good, but it's all totally evil and death, you know. 
which is that's what he's talking about basically it's it's a tree of humanism it's a tree of that is divorced from god right that that i i'm glad you went there because i remember you did a few series on that with the tree of knowledge uh of good and evil and versus the tree of life and that is that is exactly the the concept here okay yeah now i'll I'll read here what he says is as rationality okay you can think on the basis of antithesis we're going to get back to that hegelian dialectic people talk about it they throw it about i don't think they have a clue i i was shocked i've been familiar with hegelian dialectic for many years now but what shapers bringing up is just blows me away anyway you can think on the basis of antithesis that a certain thing is right and that a certain thing is not right not thinking of the morals of the truth first of all and that you can make a decision okay mm-hmm. yeah and well it goes on i'll add this part since i'm i'm in this part here it says rationalism rationalism plus reason leading to a unified field of knowledge an answer to life without god of course i i added the without god of course this, this yeah. is the same thing in the back of the dollar bill a new coeptus novus ordo seclorum it's a secular world it's, it's without yeah. god we start with man being the center and and drawing out everything uh from himself and trying to answer things uh from within in himself just like you said about the tree of knowledge of good and evil and that's that's really um i i think that's that's kind of a an expansion of of, of what you were doing with that as well yeah and that's, said too yeah that's a key concept that we and even in the churches we don't we don't really chew on that on that concept uh we we go back and forth and feel like we can do you know we can do this and that and pick and choose you know that puts us over on the wrong side of that whole equation yes it it it, it really does and, and as he pointed out here as finite beings we're, we're trying to answer uh really infinite questions i mean when you get into what are they five philosophical you know where did i come from uh who am i where did i come from where am i going when i die and you know what's the meaning of life and all this you 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 get into these if there's not if god's not in there somewhere you're gonna you're gonna draw a blank pretty quick if if you're intellectually honest and you follow it through uh and, and the biggest brains uh uh einstein uh hawken i can't remember that other guy i can't stand him it's the same thing when you get to something from nothing you've got a real problem and, yeah. and this whole thing saying well where did god come from well that's a ridiculous question uh, he is god that's why he's been around forever but you not you alan you the person trying to do this secularly you still ultimately come to something from nothing that if the universe is god to you then that's what it is but something had to exist or something had to be created and and yeah. this is a, a philosophical thing uh that as you have mentioned before philosophy creeped into the church goes clear back to plato and aristotle which had two different philosophies two two totally totally and then this gets into thomas aquinas 
Yeah. So he brought that right Go ahead. Yeah, Thomas Aquinas brought that right into the church, you know, and that all of that uh, Greek pagan philosophy brought came right into the church, and they synchronized that whatever you whatever you call that to to put the put the pagan philosophers right on a a level with the Christian teachers, you know, the Christian the Bible and things. Yeah, he he did, and and funny enough, because this this is going to end up uh, going in 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 the area that that it, it's going to touch on Calvin and Calvinism. Okay. And, and yeah, go ahead. That that's just uh, Thomas Aquinas apparently did not believe in, and I'm quoting here, a com- the complete fall of man in the sense that while there was a fallen will, the intellect was in some senses free. His followers took it from there. Uh, this is my adding. They took it from there and we ended up with a, a, an Aristotelian philosophy or mindset. See, Plato Plato took the, the generalities or the universals and the particulars went to that. What, what we are doing today, remember I've, I've gone ballistic. It's like, what is the subject? And remember we did that show when I asked you to do with the um, uh, church accountability and discipline in the church, yeah. and yeah. did a wonderful thing. And they come in middling because what they're doing is they're trying to take the particulars and discover the universal instead of accepting the universals that God has given us and fitting the particulars into the universal. Does, does that yeah. make sense? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly what people do. That we oh, oh. we we do the exact opposite. We instead of having a, a solid foundation of what truth is, which is the Bible. It's not our understanding of the Bible, it's the Bible is the truth. And until people have that foundation of what real truth is and what our commitment to following the truth is, uh, it's all up for grabs. You can just uh, decide whatever you want, you know. Yep. Well, and and this this was a big light bulb for me because you know that I got into this whole uh, uh, Calvin monergism, synergism, free will, and yeah. and, and I, I'd run into Thomas Aquinas before, but it sounds like he's kind of the originator of this, at least for this saga, and yeah. and this is where we have this split. This notion that I have found no place in Scripture, if you have, please enlighten me, where we have this split fall. We, 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 we uh, you know, the intellect is free, but free will is not. I, I, that, that is so bizarre, such a bizarre kind of, I don't, I, 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 I don't know, either I'm missing something or people believe that are Looney Tunes. I, I, and I've looked it up. When, when you start looking into this, this, this monergism, this irresistible grace and all this stuff, they actually break up free will or, or uh, uh, this fall into th- like three categories. There's like two free wills and then this intellect, and, and I can't make heads or tails of it. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, that you get in there so deep that it doesn't even. It's not consistent. It's not. I mean, it's this and that and that. You know, instead of just uh, a clear concept of what that is. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and so 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 again, where where Plato and and 
um, Francis Schaefer points out a picture. I can't remember it, the name of it, but he's got a he's got a there's a picture one with Plato and one one with Aristotle, and Plato of course is pointing up up to God, the universals. Yeah. Aristotle is kind of is not pointing down, but he's kind of got his hand down on the particulars. Yeah. And this, with Thomas Aquinas, because we, is when this Aristotelian philosophy uh, really came into church. And this is why Roman Catholicism rejected Galileo and Copernicus. Not because what they were saying uh, contradicted the scriptures, but because of this Aristotelian philosophy that then came in through Thomas Aquinas. Yeah, of trying in human terms to figure it out. I mean, yeah. come coming at it from that angle of trying to figure out the details, which is exactly what we do today, right? Yep, yep, yep. And this is this is this is why I was so excited when I tried telling you this that you know you you were you were busy and 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 it goes in it says it says here that see Plato put emphasis on the universals while Aristotle put put them on the particulars. Yeah. All of which led to, and again, I'm quoting, natural theology and freed philosophy from the scriptures. And this is really what we have today. This is why we have so much of philosophy and mysticism and this feel-good stuff, because it's from a man-centered perspective, not a God. It's, it's, not, it, 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 it's not theocentered, theocentric. It's anthrocentric. Yeah, yeah, that goes back in American history. That goes back to uh, oh Isaac Newton and uh, that that push toward that in science. That 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 push toward natural law. It's called natural law. That is a it's a it's a combination. I mean, on the surface, it's kind of a combination so that the Christian people would go along with it of this humanistic uh, research, humanistic thought, what we can observe and explain with our own human reasoning and how that kind of syncretized in the set. That's in the 1700s before America got... uh, totally set up, you know, with the Constitution and things. There are a lot of good Christian people mixed in that that were being kind of led over to that to that theory uh, of what you're describing. How do, uh, what do you think about that? Well, that, that's, again, interesting that you bring that up because one of the things that Francis brings up is it, when when you look and, and I see more and more why people study, I could never understand any interest in in, in poetry uh, or philosophy for that matter. But I'm starting to see why because when you look in societally, like social engineering, social changes, when you start seeing art and poetry and the political and the legal systems, they they follow each other and there's an order. And and he shows which which precedes one. But you brought up about you know. Uh, some of these earlier things and how it got brought in. Uh, John Locke, for example. Yeah. As, as yeah. you mentioned before, you know, a lot of people do and, and with, with his law, uh, but he actually secularized, if you will, Rutherford's work. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, Samuel Rutherford and the Scottish Covenanters, and it goes back to the Puritans, 
were the ones who who hammered out the concepts of liberty that we hold so dear. They're the there's that's where it comes from, not really from John Locke. Yep. Well, and remember I said earlier about how they have these God words? It's the same thing here. We pay lip service to John Locke, and, and, and I've done it myself because a lot of what he says, it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, but, but there, it's just this gradual moving away from, from, from God, but where you still have those words. That's why we have them in the Declaration of Independence and the, and the Constitution and so on and so forth. You know, I mean, a lot of people make a big deal, you know, it says, it says by their creator and stuff like this. Those are some of the words that they use, and a lot of that was because of Locke. A lot of that verbiage you will find from, from Locke. Yeah, yeah, and the, the uh, you know, the guys we call the founding fathers, you know, of that constitution, the, the revolution constitution era, you know, were steeped in that, in that, study and that uh, intellectual uh, pursuit of what you are just describing. That's why that's so important, what you're describing. It explains what happened in the church over from the time, I mean, Martin Luther and Calvin and John Knox and some of the great reformers really pushed, pushed culture back toward the Bible, a reliance upon the Bible. For every, this is foundational. This is it's got to always be filtered through the Bible. That was their concept, right? But, and and then what this you're describing has moved away from that. It's it's gradually in little increments and in little steps have moved us back toward. It wasn't full blown. You can't do it. Satan can't do it full blown and just say what he's doing. It has to be little step by step over here. Compromise, compromise over here to where basically it is. It's just called this other. Yeah, and 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 that's that's this thing that 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 when we start getting into what we is referred to sometimes as the age of enlightenment, we start thinking about the French Revolution, uh, and, and we we had this. It's also referred to as the High Renaissance or Renaissance uh, yeah. time, and this is where this also started creeping in and a lot of people were, were educated in this it, it, it it's kind of like russia you know one of the things i hate getting into it people always still think reagan's the the most wonderful thing since sliced bread but he's the one that merged the, the american the, the russian education okay. system together yeah and it's because yeah. of this sputnik and all this and they say well it's because they're not encumbered by god is why they're doing so much better well what a bunch of nonsense when you look into the actual inventors of real things, uh, overwhelmingly they they were they were biblical Christians. But this is this shift away from this that we had. That now it's simply again it's it's man centered. I can figure we can figure these all out from the particulars without worrying about the universal. Just throw the Bible out. Don't worry about God. Observe all this, and you'll come to to, to the right conclusions. Yeah. Yeah, and that isn't that exactly what you just said. Isn't that exactly the philosophy that most Christians in America have toward political things? Yes, and and and, and this this is exactly explains 
See, so many things. The reason I'm so excited about this, Alan, is because, you know, sometimes you, you, you see something and you remember, – remember Walt used to say that, that, that he was watching his marriage disintegrate and he didn't know what was going on? Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's kind of like that. It, it's like I'm, I'm seeing the, the symptoms, but I don't know what the cause is. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and this has kind of been showing me some of the cause. It and is, it, it's exact, it's the root cause. Absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and this gets into this Hegelian dialectic, and, I, and, and I'm going to quickly just define it probably the way most people have heard of it and the way they paired it, and then I want to get into a, a more detailed and, and how it more drastically affects us today. Uh, you know, we, we hear uh, uh, Hegel, he was a German philosopher, and we have this Hegelian dialectic uh, that, that's known as, you know, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, or problem, reaction, solution. Alex Jones likes to say a lot, and, and, and that's fine. Uh, Charlotte Isherby gave an example that I really like. Uh, if, if you don't want to uh, do your husband's laundry, you simply wash a red shirt with his, his white underwear. Uh, they bleed, and he says you'll do it then. From our, you don't have to do, to do it anymore. <laughs> a problem, reaction, solution, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 okay, this is fine. This is, but this is just the surface of it. And this is what Francis brought in. That We have changed this. And I'm going to read. This is thesis, okay? A statement or theory that is put forward as a premise to be maintained or proved. And the, 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 the problem is, is that, and this ties in with this fruitonology even, and that show that we had with people coming in and nibbling away at this, we do not think antithetically. That's right. Okay? The, the, the problem is we think synthetically. That it's been programmed into us through all what we were just talking about with all this secularization and enlightenment and on and on and on, that if something is right, then something else must be wrong. Not yeah. that, you know, well, it could be. And this is why we have these exceptions. And they've done this to us on purpose. For, for example, another one I think it was Charlotte did is turn around and say, you know, okay, it's wrong to steal. Okay, well, but mom's going to die if she doesn't get any medication. Is it okay to steal a pill so mom can live? Yeah. Well, yeah. we can make – so now it's okay to steal under certain circumstances. We've moved that over to the window. Yeah, another, another way of looking at uh, – another thing that – question that we would – is what works? What works? What is yes. – what's the term for that? You know, it's yep. pragmatic. Yep. What will what will work? Well, that puts it back over in our court to figure it out. What? Well, yeah, it seems like yeah, that would be okay, but that wouldn't work, you know. Yeah, you know, you the church needs to to discipline its members. The church, ne yeah, but that doesn't work over here. That pushes it back into the middle. Just what you're saying. That's what yep. I mean. That's what. Think about education, you know. You think, well, you know what the Bible says is that parents need to teach their children, and the church needs to be, you know, the pillar and the ground of the truth. The church needs to, yeah, but that won't work in my life. It needs, you know, the public schools offer us this, 
and that works better, and they're pretty good people anyway, you know, and we can teach them a little bit and take them to Sunday school and da-da-da. What are we doing? It's that same process that we're trying to figure it out, and you reject, You it's almost automatic. You reject the antithesis, like you're saying. And, and what you just said about pragmatic or pragmatism, if you recall, is one of the things Paris Reedhead used to speak of. He used yeah. to talk about if, if it works, it's good. Well, not necessarily. That's just like just because we can do something doesn't mean we should. I, I'll give you an example. I assure you they could make a cellular phone the size of a match head. Who wants a cell phone the size of a match head? You can't find it and you can't dial it. And, and I use that as a, an absurd example. It's just like with a lot of this stuff in science so-called that we do. Yeah, there's stuff we can do. The question, do we ever ask morally, should we do it? And what do we use to gauge if we should do that by? That's absolute. That's the bottom line right there. Yeah. Who is, who's the judge to decide what is the right thing to do? Yep. And, and, and so this, this shift, as I said, if, if you take a thesis, you, you throw out this thesis, what you get, a, a, a universal, okay, you get people, they bring in the exceptions. They try to whittle away at the universal because there frequently are exceptions. Yeah. And that's what they did in that show that I got so frustrated. You did an excellent job at talking about accountability, discipline, whatever we want to call it, in the church. And people, oh, well, but the Mormons abuse it. Oh, but the Catholics abuse it. Oh, but the, the, the Jehovah Witnesses. Of course it's abuse. That does not negate the universal, what the Lord said about it in Scripture. But they yeah. are not thinking antithetically. They are thinking synthetically. Go, go ahead, Absolutely. Alan. Yeah. That's the abortion debate right there, right? That's the abortion debate. What do they, what do they throw up in our face, you know? Well, what about rape? What about the situation? Yeah. Well, how yeah. many times? What yeah. percentage of of births of babies are related to rape? What percentage of that is? Maybe one percent. I don't know. It's just minuscule compared to the vast majority of absolute free choices. You know. Yep. And that's interesting you bring that in because that is exactly the first thing that they say when you talk about that. What about right. rape? It's just like assisted suicide. The first yeah. thing they do is talk about some, you know, terminal cancer or critical burn patient. And they're, what, they're, what are they doing? They're bringing in exceptional particulars to try to destroy a universal, which the yeah. universal, if you're Christian, comes from God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that explains so many things right there. And it's like all of that happens underneath the surface. It, all of that thought process is automatically programmed into us from everything that comes into us today. Yes, it is. And that, that is exactly the point. And again, this is why I was so excited because this is explaining the, the, the mechanics, the cause of the symptoms that I've been feeling, seeing that have so frustrated and flummoxed me that things have changed in the last decade, certainly, but I, I want to say in the last five years, uh, certain traits and attributes that I attributed only to 
a person or two or maybe a handful has seemed to become the norm. And this explains it. There's been a, a paradigm shift in, in our thought process, again, from this thinking antithetical to synthetical. Yeah, yeah. I I think that's right. That's why people it's and and if you if you see it antithetically, if you see the 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 truth over here, the the truth of what God says, people reject it. Christian people reject it out of hand. Yep. Without you know without even considering really considering what the Bible says about it. Well, you, you, you must be reading my mind because we're going to get into a couple of examples of Scripture, but I, w- I want to read a couple more quick definitions, and then I'm going to get into to an example here that I've, I've quoted before. Well, it was my brother, and he got very, very upset. He fancies himself a philosopher, and, and I don't find it a wee bit coincidental that philosophy and vain deceit are, are in the same verse, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. So antithetical. As an objective uh, of the nature of or involving antithesis, that's number one. Number two, directly opposed to contrasted opposite. Okay, so if if we have this thesis, it's 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 wrong to steal. Okay, then the opposite is is, is true, not this mix in automatic thought, and in this synthetic. Yeah, level, but yeah, yeah, but what about if people are starving, Lori? Yep. Well, that see, this this is synthetical, uh, synthetical thinking. The next one, logic. This is synth, uh, synthetical logic of a relating to non-contradictory proposition. I'm going to stop there. Non-contradictory. How many people have you heard say, "I don't like confrontation"? Yeah. I don't know anybody likes to argue, but funny enough, you look up the word discussion in the word in Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. It says to argue. To elicit truth, saying "Hi, how's the weather?" Uh, is is not a, a discussion actually, but whatever. Okay, so yeah. logic, ever relating to non-contradictory a proposition in which the predicate is not included in. That's important. The predicate is not included in or entailed. The subject. Remember, I'm going. Where's the subject? This is why we people speak so vaguely about. Nothing, because there's no subject. There's no antithesis. It's all synthesis. Man, that is so true. That is so absolutely true. Doesn't that right there describe the entire political system in America? Yes. What are we talking? We're talking synthesis. We're talking like I mean, there's no clear anymore. There's no clear, uh, you know, distinction. They're all just in in the soup in the middle, you know. And we're just trying to figure out what the, you know, what part we like and what we don't like. And you can't do this. This the truth never even comes into it anymore. Ah. Yep, we're 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 getting to that one, and that this is exactly why. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So this predicate that that this uh, synthetic synthetic thinking uh, synthetic uh, thinking does not include a predicate uh, in logic to affirm or assert something of the subject of a proposition. 
or to make a term the predicate of such a proposition. Logic, that which is affirmed or denied concerning the subject of proposition. Now, if you'll recall earlier, when I, when I read here about synthetical, the predicate is not included or entailed. And under this uh, antithetical, uh, we do not have, there's no, there's no contradiction, there's, there's no contrast, okay? Yeah. And, and this brings me to the scriptures that, that we were, I alluded to here a moment ago. Uh, Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. I, I did a little word study on this. It, it, it's very, very interesting. Uh, if, if, if you look up uh, philosophia, the, the philosophy, it says you're going to re- recognize this Jewish Sophistry. Remember, Walt used to talk about sophistry oh, yeah. and casualty. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it, it was around a long time before the, before the Jesuits ever came out. Now they perfected it and are using it uh, like nobody's business today. Uh, but but this this goes, and that is what philosophia is philosophy that's translated from the Greek here. Yeah, and I I pulled up a quick definition of sophistry: the use of fallacious arguments especially with the intent of deceiving. Which is exact. I mean, that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. Yep. And the and way, this, what they've got is conditioned in is that it's, it's almost an unwritten law anymore that you do not create controversy. You do not, uh, I mean, you don't even bring up something so ridiculously uh, controversial. You know, you, you just yep. shut up, you know, just don't even you, talk about that. You do not bring in antithesis. You have yeah. thesis, synthesis, no antithesis. As soon as you bring up antithesis, you're a meanie, you're being difficult, and you're being argumentative. You're shut down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. This is what happens in the church. It's what happens in politics. That's the whole deal right there. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And, and this we're, not even, we're not even, we don't even, uh, uh, not even aware of that process going on. It's underneath yep. the surface, happens automatically in our thinking. And so these people... Uh, if you should bring up something so controversial, so diametrically opposed to what the standard line is, you are hands down rejected. Yep, yep. I, I, I'm gonna, this brings it, I'm going to touch tangentially here, is escape or escapism. This leads to a mindset of why it is that we indulge in so much entertainment because when you live in this type of environment that we've been discussing here, all of a sudden you, you, it's either non-substantive talk or you're, you're in, involved in some kind of entertainment. And this Bingo. is escapism. Yep, yep. And, yeah, and because, this, because why? You don't want controversy. Yep. And this brings me to one more verse here too uh, out of scriptures, Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, 
but be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's partial. It's semicolon there and goes on, but that's the part that I was interested in because a lot of people read that, and, and yes, it's talking about with wine, uh, but there's also one about being a sober mind, and when you look at that, it's talking about being clear-headed. It doesn't mean just with alcohol, okay? And this is the, the, this, uh, uh, this escapism and this whole thought process we're thinking of. And this is the therefore, and you kind of sum some of this up. These are my notes after having a little light bulb come on, the light bulb moment. We have these unconnected factoids with which everything can be synthesized away. And then through escape, wine, entertainment, too busy, including church, Christian activities, by the way, not thought of, remembered, no conflict, confrontation, none of that, like you just said, which is to be avoided at all costs. No quiet, reflective time with the Lord. Church, quote-unquote, now is just a social club, another form of, of escapism. Man, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, I worked at that after I discovered what I believe the church ought to be about, which is a place of of uh, loving, real loving interaction where you help each other grow, which involves a lot of challenge, a lot of correction, a lot of confrontation, stuff like that, where you're bear, I've, you bear one another's burdens. But in the church, nobody even knows each other's burdens because you're so afraid of this conflict. Uh, you're so afraid of this being condemned or being corrected or being challenged about what you're doing that you keep everything so superficial and the guys talk about sports the guys talk about their jobs they talk about stuff like that that's not even real they would never really talk about their marriage relationship or the problems they're having in that or their sexual their sexual problems or challenges or temptations yep. or things things that are real. Instead, what we do is that it's all this superficial, fluffy nothing, yep. and that's what church is about. You go to these potlucks, and nothing ever happens. Nothing ever changes. There's no there's no deep relationship being uh, maintained or even even being established. I, I, that's one of the frustrating things I had in the church after I discovered this for years, to try to get people to share their burdens. Yep. It's, it's like pulling out their front teeth. Yep. And, and that's what I've been saying for years that, that I didn't fully understand is this non-substantive. I've used that phrase so many times that I am not interested in non-substantive conversation. We have these God words with no substance. Yeah. yeah. We have these concepts with no substance. And that is what we, that's exactly what it is that, that we have, Alan. Yeah. And you read the life, you read the ministry of Jesus and how he related to people. Man, it got real right now when Jesus was around. Yep. He he put his finger right on the 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 cut. He put his finger right on the pain every time. Yep. 
I, I one one little more thing, and then we we can we can go how wherever you want to with this. But uh, if you strictly define a word or phrase or preface, I'm a big prefacer. You know, every book I've ever run into has a preface, and I've noticed over the years people tend to ignore prefaces, which bothers me because when 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 you do a preface, the that's the that's the universal what the purpose of the document, the book, whatever it is for, not to get bogged down in with the particulars when you lose sight of the universal. It's just like you're having a conversation, you use an example, and, and it's just that. It's an example, and that becomes a conversation and the conversation never gets back to. Anyway, if, if you strictly define these, confine the definition or conversation, it eliminates wiggle room. And this is why another thing people don't like, they like this willy-nilly wiggle room because they want to synthesize everything. Yeah. Yeah. That so, explains it, a lot right there. Yeah. It sounds like you've had a few aha, uh-huh, uh-huh type, type moments with some of this yourself. So you, 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 you're recognizing much of this the same way I did when I ran into this, it sounds like. It ex- that explains so much of what's going on in our culture today, in, our, in our, how people relate to each other. There's no re- there's no reality to what's going on. Hardly it's rare to have real relationships with people. I, I just an example. I'll give you an example of someone I I met at the gym not too long ago, and the the initial meeting that I had with him uh, was about was about church and a couple of doctrinal things and. I agreed with him basically with what he was sharing, and I met him and uh, didn't see him again for a while. And then the next time we saw him, I thought, well, let's have coffee with this guy and talk to him, you know. And so we we uh, sat down and had coffee with him, and I could not get this guy to get real. I asked him, I just asked him about. Uh, a question I ask for I ask people is share what what is your spiritual experience been your journey you know tell us some about your journey in your life you know your spiritual journey and he he would not answer that question <laughs> I mean you can answer that question and wiggle quite a bit with that question but he would not even answer that question you know. It's like okay, okay. <laughs> yep, yep. People well, don't want to talk about real things in their life, you know. Yep. Well, and 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 one of the things that Francis brought up again with the poetry and art, it, it's kind of funny because and and he does an excellent job of going through this because he 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 knows this stuff cold. Uh, I, I forget the name of it because again, I'm not an art critic, but I remember. There's different types. What is that kind of art where you can't really tell what it is? I, I forget what they call that. There's a there's a word for it. Modern is it modern art? I don't know. I don't know much. No, art. no, no. It, it it's when they went from drawing people and landscapes and fruit and stuff like that into these these morphed They're like things. Picasso, huh? Like Picasso. Yeah, like Picasso. But there's a name for that type of of art, and and I'm drawing a blank on it. But but anyway, it's reflected in the art, and he goes through a history, through the whole Renaissance, and, and how this is changing, and actually gets in some of the particulars. Picasso is one of them, uh, 
where you, you can see this change. And this change, it takes place. You start seeing it in art. You, you see it in the poetry. You hear it in the music. Uh, Plato used to talk about the music corrupting societies. And this goes into the different areas. And this is why we have science falsely so-called, because eventually that ends up in your so-called science. And that is what we have today. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. One, one of the students I used to drive around in a school bus, now I, I'm going to say something. It's not to, ba- to, to boast. It, it, it's to make a point. Uh, I, I did take high school chemistry and physics, and I pulled the gold award. Uh, I, I, I got an award for, for uh, uh, physics and pulled the second highest final. And that's not to toot my horn. It's to say this. She brought home her school book one day and wanted me to help her with a question. I could not understand the question. I told her, I says, you need to take this back. And I know that the science teacher there, I said, you need to explain it. That question is so poorly worded that somebody that got what I just told you I got is not even able to understand the question. Yeah. And by now, we do not have conscience. We have consensus. Conscience with knowledge, consensus is what we have. Science is done consensually. It's done that. You, 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 you look into the pharmaceutical. You, you look into physics and the chemistry. They do it by consensus. It's not, it's not with knowledge. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's true. That, that, that's where we live today in consensus. Yeah. And, and, and con- this is all as a result of that. And, and, yeah, go ahead, Alan. Conscience is just not, I mean, it's not even in the discussion anymore. No, no. And, and, and that's, that is exactly what we have is this whole conscience thing, like you mentioned earlier, is, well, that doesn't work for me. It doesn't work in this circumstances because we're doing it by consensus. We're synthesizing. And therefore, this is why we have no relative, or, or, I mean, no, no absolutes, no morals. Even people say, yes, there are absolutes. They don't have absolutes because yeah. of what we've just been discussing right here. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That oh. man, that this discussion explains so much of what's what's just not even ever looked at in our thinking process today. Yeah, this no. in the churches. That's that's how the churches are. What will work? What 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 can we do? What will make it better? How can we get more people coming? I mean, this is all all of church growth philosophy. This is what the churches do today to grow to have larger churches, to have these mega churches, it's to just make it, what's the term they use? It's uh, user-friendly. User-friendly. That means what, what can we do to please as many people as we can to get coming here, you know, and yet still, and yet still kind of be faithful to God. <laughs> yep. Exactly what you're describing. Yep. Well, and this brings one more definition. I've had, I actually, I don't normally put uh, uh, Word documents on on my uh, desktop because it just fill it up. But some of them I just, I I looked up this word existentialism because what we've been discussing for the last half hour, 45 minutes, whatever it's been now, leads to this. And when I read it, I I just, I shook my head. I, I had to keep it up. 
Uh, this is just one you can get on, I think I Googled it, and it was the first one, free dictionary or whatever it is. A chiefly 20th century philosophical movement embracing diverse doctrines but centering on analysis of individual existence in an unfavorable universe, unfavorable, that's because God's a meanie or doesn't exist, and the plight of the individual who must assume ultimate responsibility for acts of free will without any certain knowledge of what is right or wrong or good or bad. Now, you want to know why this, the, the, the suicide rate, divorce rate, and et cetera, et cetera, is as high as it is? Let me read that again without my interjections. A chiefly 20th century philosophical movement embracing diverse doctrines but centering on analysis of individual existence of an unfathomable universe and the plight of the individual who must assume ultimate responsibility for acts of free will without any certain knowledge of what is right or wrong or good or bad. Now, you take that, combine that with, with uh, uh, Aquinas is coming in. We don't even have free will. Do, do you see where this is going, Alan? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what – I mean, that concept of that uh, – what you – what that is saying, it – People are adrift in a world where they have to make ultimate decisions on what is right for them without any guidance, without any north star to even look at, you know? And it's this is true in the church. I, we talked about this many times on your call before. This is a passage in, in Hebrews chapter 5. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For though, for, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, again, someone to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have, become, uh, you have come to need milk and not meat, not solid food. For everyone that partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is still a babe. But solid food, this is the hard stuff of Christianity. Solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use, by practice, by, by actually chewing on it and using it in your daily life, have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. I mean, to me, I, that did not hit me. That the, the question there is, what is good and evil? I mean, you would think everybody could, everybody knows what's good and everybody knows what's evil. The point of that passage is only very mature Christians know what is right and wrong. Uh, to me, that is a revelation right there. That and, and this is exactly what you're saying. That, that people have the wrong compass. Their compass is, is messed up. Does that make sense? Well, it, it, it does, and, and I, I, I want to go back to, to what you said, and unfortunately I'm King James, which that, that wasn't, because, but 
are become. Uh, that was kind of worded that way. But the point is, this is an admonition to people that are mature enough, at least in, in one sense, that they should be teachers and are become as one that needs to be taught again. And so this isn't, they never knew there's been a change. Something, something's made them go backwards. Something made them go back to the crib, if you will. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. This good and evil, right and wrong, absolute, no, it's just synthesis. There's no antithesis. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you would think, you'd think, well, well, Christian people know what's right and wrong. Yeah, sure, you know, we know what's right and wrong. But the point of that passage is, no, you don't. Most Christian yep. people don't know what's right and wrong because they have not, they have, their minds have been so conditioned by the world system that you don't even analyze the opposite. You don't even analyze uh, something outside the box or you don't analyze really what the Bible says, you know, because you read something and you immediately, wham, you go over here in the synthesis. Yep, and, and that's one of the things that Francis brought up, again, back in the 60s and 70s, was what you just said, that Christians do not have this moral compass. They do not have rights and wrongs. They, they say they do. And I know for years, for years now, I've realized people do not believe what that book says. And when oh. I say that book, there's only one book. Uh, what that book says, I didn't know why. But this is why, because there is no, it, 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 it's not, it, it's a, there are factoids in there, all of which can be synthesized with exceptions. No, it cannot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let me give you an example of that. I mean, the church I grew up with, the Church of Christ, our main thing that we taught was we believe the Bible. We're people of the Bible. We're people of the book. Whatever the Bible says is what we practice. That's what we do. We do Bible things in Bible ways. We, I mean, we just were pounded with that. But when I grew up and started understanding what the Bible really taught clearly and just started teaching that, people didn't like that. People didn't like that. And I've shared that many times. I, I preach in one of the churches I preach for and... And the church, this was that one that was, had the best fellowship I've ever experienced. It was going right during the middle of that. And I, was pre, I, preached, I preached a series of sermons on the judgments of God. Is there anything in the Bible about the judgments of God, the justice of God? <laughs> it's all through the Bible, you know. I would, just, I would just read chapters of the Bible in my lessons, you know. Here's what it says about God judging Israel and da-da-da-da. And... Some of the leaders of the church said, this is not good. What you're doing is not good. And I said, well, why? Why isn't it good? I'm just teaching the Bible. Because people are getting upset. Yep. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because another thing that I remember years ago when I first started having, uh, shall we say, heated discussions, debates uh, about Scripture, about doctrine, uh, you, you you would read something in Scripture or bring some subject up, and, and they'd say, well, you know, Scripture substantiates Scriptures. You know, you have to be able to find out, well, wait a minute, two two things. And, and I can give an example that's in my mind here. 
uh, how many times does God have to say something before it's so? And the answer is one time. Only yeah. one time. That's right. Okay? That's right. And you can use Scripture to substantiate Scripture. I'll be the first one to admit that. The problem is is people try to use Scripture to negate Scripture. And That's when right. you are using other Scriptures to negate Scripture, you're in trouble. That's right. Uh, Paul, Paul talks about that uh, in there. You know, they rest Scriptures to their own destruction. Let me give you an example of that, right, yes. that, I, yes. that was, I grew up in. What I grew up in was uh, we were pounded on that you have to be – salvation is directly connected with water baptism. I mean, baptism saves you. Bam, pam. I mean, I had more sermons in my lifetime on baptism than on Jesus, I guarantee you, that that's what I grew up in. And so the concept you get away with in that environment is, well, man, baptism is absolutely essential to your salvation. You've got to be baptized. Well, is that true? Well, you study the Bible, and yeah, you do need to be baptized. Yeah, that's, that's certainly part of it. On the other side of this dialectic that you're talking about are these people that's grace only, faith only, faith only, you know. You just put your faith in Jesus, you're saved, and they don't even talk of it. I mean, baptism is almost a bad thing. You don't need baptism. You don't need to do that. It doesn't have anything to do with your your conversion process. You don't need that. And so they don't ever talk about it. They, they talk about this. So here are these two things. These people never talk to each other. They never, we never talk to each other to learn from each other and to try to understand, well, where did you get that in the Bible, you know? Which is exactly what you're talking about. You, it's like this. You can learn from people you disagree with. But a lot of time what happens is that in real life, when you're discussing someone, the controversy, the conflict gets so heated that you just cut fellowship, you never talk, you condemn the other person, you never even consider what the other person is saying, and instead of any kind of understanding, you get complete division, you know. What do you think about that? I, I think that brings us back completely full circle of what you started out with the introduction and to why there's these divisions because as soon as you start trying to get real about things, that is to actually uh, 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 antithesis, not just synthesize everything away, I think you get what you just said. Yeah, I do too. And that's and, what happens in relationships. Marriages is what happens everywhere, yep. you know. And, and yeah. I got to tell you, Alan, it, it, for people, if they decide to go back and listen to some of your archives you, you did with me here those times, and I would highly recommend they do. There were some excellent ones there. Uh, I, I got to tell you, I, I think you are, have actually been more upset on this call than I, and that is unusual because <laughs> normally it's me sitting here screaming and hollering and hooting and stuff. And it is. It's, it's maddening. And the definitions of words, I, I, I'll, I'll give this since you brought up some, some scriptures and some examples. Uh, there, there's two of them to come to mind, and I'm, I'll start out with John 3.16. And this was misquoted. It is misquoted by most people. You can start people out. John 3.16 is supposed to be the most quoted scripture 
a verse in scriptures, I'm told. I have no way of substantiating, but that's what I'm told. And yet, it is misquoted. And if you close up your book, I can get you started, and I'll bet you probably misquote it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believeth on him, please finish that. Most people would say should not perish. No, they say shall not perish. But shall it says not perish. Should, it, but it says, it says should not. Yeah. And I brought that up when that was brought up, and I, I was lambasted. Like there's no difference. There's a big difference between yeah. shall not and should not. Big, big, big difference. Yeah. There's a huge difference between that. Yeah. And, oh, and I have – oh, go ahead. No, no, you finish. Uh, yeah, well, I just I, I just have one one more example. But if you want to say something there, go ahead. Well, you had a program on there one time of a guy. I can't remember. I can't even remember what it was about. But it was so. It was it was radical like that, you know, about who is saved, you know, and uh, I can't just right off. I can't. But I remember that call that you had from a fellow. I can't remember the guy. It wasn't Paris Reedhead. It was just one time you had one from that guy, and it was about these kind of issues like this, you know. Yeah, it, it could have been. I, I had several of them on, you know, J.P. O'Hannon, uh, uh, Zach Poonin. I, I've had quite a few on. But but another scripture, now, now that's one where shall and should, you know, they, but they leave words out. You know, it's amazing how many people will tell you that if is the biggest word in the English language, and yet how, how ignored it is in Scripture. Now, that's just a sidebar. Cause that's not, the other one is, and you'll recognize this, and, and I'm going to misquote it intentionally, which I don't really like doing, yeah. but most people do. No Scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, people will quote that incorrectly, incompletely, to say that you cannot have a private understanding of what Scripture says. That is not what that verse is talking no, about. No, that's not what that means at all. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, it does not read no Scripture of any – it says no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. And then it goes on from there and explains, for holy men of God were moved, given the word I, – I don't, I don't have it up in front of me. It, it's an assurance that you can believe the Bible, not to say that you're not capable of understanding it. And they, that's why that word – prophecies left out. And this is all part of and parcel of this synthetical thinking, synthetical thinking that, that, that we've been brought into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that passage, that's, where is that? First Peter 1, I think, that, or for maybe First Peter, Second Peter 1, that it, the point of that passage is, where does Scripture originate? Where does it originate? It does not originate from any human interpretation or any human kind of wisdom. It comes from God. That's the point of that passage. And yet I've, I've had several people that will misquote that, leave prophecy, the word prophecy, out of there to try to say that you cannot not understand that yourself when it, that's not even the subject of the verse. But, but oh. those were just a couple of examples, Alan, of, of yeah. what we were talking about. And you, you brought up several. And, and this, is, this is this synthetical, this, this, this uh, uh, Aristotelian philosophy and, and, and this uh, uh, Aquinas that, that has all crept in the church like you brought up quite some time ago about this philosophy that has come into the church. And then you throw in the mix of Eastern mysticism that came into yeah. this country and – 
in the fifties and sixties. And this it just permeates so many churches today. It it permeates uh, the charismatic, the uh, what do they call these new ones? Apostolic churches where they're going by personal, what they would term personal revelation, hearing from the Lord, which becomes uh, equal in their thought to the Word of God. Yep. yep. And I, I mean, I think God speaks to people. I think God can communicate with us just as much as he did any time, you know, but it has to be filtered through the Bible. And people do not, Christian people today do not know the Bible. No, they don't. And and, and this right here, and I, I, I think we've both had a couple of aha moments, and, and, and I hope your listeners do too as well, because, you know, it, it, and that's why it says, let no man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. And we have this sophistry, it doesn't mention casuistry, but the same thing, it is. this is exactly what has been done. And, yeah. and we have this in our church. We have opened up the, the, the church doors wide to the world. We have yeah. let it come into the point. There's blatant witchcraft in churches. And this is why you and I have had many, many discussions about people do not recognize a New Testament church when they see it because they've never seen one. No, that's right. That's, that's right. They would reject it out of hand because of this, what we're talking about. Absolutely. Well, that one night we had that discussion on your call. Yep. That's what yep. happened right there. And I just yep. read three chapters right out of the Bible without much yep. comment to it. But it immediately, what was the first reaction to that? Yep. Yep. And, that's, that, that, and that, when I was listening to these teachings from him, that kept flashing through my mind because that is exactly what happened. You came out with a universal, and they tried to synthesize it away with all these exceptional particulars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I probably need to wrap this up here pretty quick. Yeah. And I think I just—it's been such a pleasure and joy to uh, have you on my call again and just talk to you. I would love, we need to do this again pretty soon. And uh, it's just, uh, I miss your call uh, so much, your analysis. I miss, I, I don't know how many other people have told you this, but God was doing a work uh, through your call that you did. And your call touched many, many people that will never tell you that, Lori. And I, what I believe is that you were showing up on the radar in the enemy camp, yep. and they took you down. Yep. That's well, my honest feeling about what happened to you, and I know that absolutely guts. It, it did me just kind of yep. when I went through it and when I watched you go through it too. It, it 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 does gut you and and thank you very much, Alan. I, I appreciate. And and on one hand, I recognize that I really do. But on the other hand, like you said, it it does gut you. And 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 a scripture that comes to mind uh, again, I don't have it in front of me, but it talks about the strong man, a reference to Satan. Uh, he comes forth to break, steal, and destroy. 
And that, no. that is exactly what happens. When you get a little too close to the bone, they, they can yep. talk about this with the, the global conspiracy, you know, when they're using they, them, the banksters, so on and so forth. But when you start, you, when you start dropping the bombs over the target, you're, yeah. on, you're on the radar. And, 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 and you're right. That's, I think that's exactly what happened. And this right here, what we're talking about, this, this to me explains the symptoms that you and I have seen and dealt with, and for me, kind of gives a a, a, a a causation. Yeah, so, that's right. Th- thank you that's for right. having me on. It, it is it is wonderful to be back with you, and and I too look forward to being on again sometime with you. Okay, okay. God bless and uh, take care of yourself. I hope you have hope you have success uh, in the uh, what you're uh, what you have been trying to do about the selling the stuff. So. Okay. So I hope, right. hope we can do this again soon, Lori. Thanks a lot, and God bless you. Okay, Alan. You too. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Or morning. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.